Hi, everybody. Before we get into this episode, I had to let you know, like I'm literally bursting at the seams, that on March 13th, Scouts Agency is launching something major. We have been working on this for months, all with the intention to serve your business expansion and catapult your brand awareness. Now, If you want to have first access at our early bird pricing plus access to bonuses, sign up on our waitlist at scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. There will be limited spots available, so if you've been ready to go from the plateaued business owner to the visible visionary, you're going to want first access. Again, that's scoutsagency.com slash waitlist. S-C-O-U-T-S-A-G-E-N-C-Y dot com slash waitlist to sign up for first access. I'm bursting at the seams and I know I have to keep this a secret for just a couple weeks longer, so cannot wait. Okay, let's get into the episode. Scout Sobel, and welcome to the Emotional Entrepreneur Podcast, the podcast where we talk business strategy while also vulnerably connecting on emotional resilience. As the CEO and founder of Scouts Agency, a female-focused agency where we get women as guests on podcasts, and someone who has suffered from, managed, and lived with bipolar disorder, the intersection of mental health and entrepreneurship is where I find my success. If you are here, it is because you are ready to feel safe in your emotions so that you can live your life of purpose. Let's get into the inspiration, shall we? Okay, here is the episode that I have been trying to record, that I've been thinking about recording, and that I have not felt prepared or in the right energetic space or physical space, if we're being honest, to record. But today is the day I'm going to be taking you through my entire pregnancy from my fertility journey, which was a year and a half, to getting pregnant, to the manifestation work that I did, to what my first trimester was like since I am currently, as I'm recording this, about to be 16 weeks. So I'm about four months pregnant, which is truly wild. But this is my pregnancy story. This is my fertility journey. This is the story of me about to become a mom. So let's take it back. Today is May 2022, but this conversation that I had around getting pregnant and becoming a mother started in, uh, I would say, the end of 2019. At that point, I was on a medication. I was stable, and yet I still hadn't come to the breakthrough that I was really safe in my emotions. I was less than a year into running Scouts Agency, and while I had proved myself that I could accomplish something and I suppose make a name for myself in this world and function in society, I hadn't yet felt extremely confident and comfortable in my own skin when it came to my mental illness, when it came to my bipolar disorder. So in that framework, I was, what, I was 27, I think, at that point, probably. My math might be wrong. I might have been 28. And, you know, I'd been married to my husband at that point for around two years. And the talk around what it would look like to have a family was starting to be had. However, that talk was definitely, I don't want to say tainted, but it was painted with a different hue than I believe that conversation normally goes. 
since my mental health being diagnosed with bipolar disorder had been so volatile over the years and that I had finally found a certain level of stability within this medication. I had just started my business. There was a lot of fear about me going off medication and getting pregnant as well as what my mental health would be like during my physical pregnancy. So with that in mind, my psychiatrist and I were having conversations. I was having conversations with my husband and my family. And the idea of going the surrogate route was something that my psychiatrist and my therapist and my loved ones really felt would be a great avenue for me since that meant I didn't have to go off my medication. I didn't have to gamble on whether or not getting pregnant with the hormones and the physical changes would impact my mental health in a very severe way. And I felt as if I was coming to terms and accepting the fact that I was not going to be carrying my own child. And that was a very sad thing for me to think about. I was never the woman who thought about being a mom. I was never the woman who dreamed about meeting her baby or having a baby or doing the whole motherhood thing. You know, some women dream of their wedding or some women dream of getting married or some women dream of having babies or all of that. I never had that dream. Um, Being a mom was something that I knew I was going to do and yet it always felt as if it was something in the future, especially since my 20s were so volatile that adulthood felt really out of reach for so many years. So when I got to a place of even remote stability, having the conversation around having kids, it was almost as if, oh, I can think about that. There's capacity in my life to think about what it would be if I were to be a mother or if Adam and I were to have children um, etc. So once the conversation started being had, but, but also, sorry, I forgot to mention that the one thing I've always wanted is to experience pregnancy. That's like as far as my motherhood foresight and dreams went my whole life. I just was excited to get pregnant. I was excited to tell people I was pregnant. I was excited to experience pregnancy. And so that was an experience that I was really sure that I wanted pre even the conversation of uh, what it would look like if Adam and I started trying, what it would look like if we should get a surrogate, et cetera. So I actually had at that point found a friend who was willing to be a surrogate. We had no timeline, guys, no timeline. Like this was not happening in 2019. I didn't really think it was going to happen in 2020, but It was just the talks because when you go the surrogate route, you have to be prepared. You have to understand what the financial commitment is. You have to find the right agency and the right doctor to do it, the egg retrieval. It's a process. It's it's a long process. And so I was comfortable at that point in 2019 to start thinking about that process. I had a wonderful dear friend who was willing to be the surrogate for me, which felt incredibly special. And I had the name of a doctor's office that I was about to call. I think I might have emailed or something. And I was starting the process of mourning not being able to carry my own child. And in that process, um, I just, I, I, it's weird, but I imagine like, oh, how would I tell my friends that I'm expecting in a way that excites me? And how could I go through that nine-month period before the baby is born and how can I 
nest as a mother and how can I do all these things that would make me feel as if I wasn't, I don't want to say giving up something, but that I wasn't experiencing what I believe to be a rite of passage for so many women who who do and can get pregnant. I, I felt as if something was being taken from me in that moment, for sure. And I want to be really mindful about the way I talk about these things because as I, as you will see <laughs> shortly in this episode, I went on a year and a half infertility journey. And um, it's a very sensitive and emotional topic for women. And so everything that I'm saying, I just want you to know if there is any woman out there listening who is trying to get pregnant, who is having difficulty getting pregnant, who is maybe going the IVF or the surrogate route, I am here with you and I acknowledge you and I see you and the way I'm about to explain this experience is truly just from my own experience and how I felt every step of the way. What I felt about going the surrogate route or not going the surrogate route does not have any truth to what that experience is for so many women who actually go through it and it does not diminish their motherhood journey and they're about to be, you know, growing a baby journey, all of that. So I do just want to preface that real quick. Whatever way women have their children get pregnant, adopt, surrogate, IVF, whatever mode it is, it is a it is a vehicle to bring a baby into your arms, to bring your baby into your arms. And that's the most important thing. And at that time, it was hard for me to come to terms that I was going to go the surrogate route. So fast forward to mid-2020 and the pandemic happens. And at that point, I am working with my coach, Amy Natalie, who I've talked about so many times. And my perspective around my emotional health and strength started to change significantly. My work with my coach allowed me to feel empowered in my mental health. And I have spoken about this on this podcast so many times, that transformation that I went from feeling unsafe in my emotions to safe in my emotions. And suddenly working with Amy completely transformed and opened up my life. And I felt more in control of my destiny. I felt more in control of my emotional state. I felt more in control of my emotional safety. And I felt as if I was empowered to manage my bipolar disorder in a way that I never felt empowered. I noticed that in previous treatments or previous years as I was, uh, you know, in the midst of mental health challenges, a really disempowering message was given to me was that I had a severe case, that I was very clinical. I was like a clinical patient at many times. And so I never felt empowered by the outpatient programs or the therapy I was in or the psychiatrist office to really understand that I have beautiful control over the way I view my life and the way I view this mental illness. And so within that mental health awakening in 2020, my husband and myself were noticing how much stronger I was, how much more confident I was in my ability to navigate this life and how I was handling business and personal relationships and housework and everything with so much more grace and acceptance and strength. And then it suddenly dawned on me that as I had this mental health awakening and as I felt more confident in myself um, as someone that was managing a mental illness, I recognized that I was going to get a surrogate because those around me felt unsafe in my in the future experience of pregnancy and my mental health. I was going to give up an experience that I knew I had wanted to have my entire life because others felt unsafe in my emotional experience. 
I'm going to say that one more time. I almost gave up the experience that I have always wanted to have in carrying my own child because others did not feel safe in my emotional experience. And to a very large extent, I did not feel safe either. But once I could see that I was making huge, huge life decisions based on what everybody else wanted me to do versus what I in my heart knew, I realized that I was allowing other people to tell me how strong I was. And in them putting that parameter and that limitation on me and out of complete love, might I say, out of complete love and protection of me, I limited my healing and my growth and my expression of strength. And I did this my entire mental illness. I lived under the limitations and the umbrella of what bipolar disorder was. I lived under the limitations of how severe my case was. Instead of understanding that there is strength and beauty and love and grace and faith and hope beyond those limitations that were always available to me. So I remember where I was. I was sitting on the couch in our apartment in Hillcrest at the time. We lived in this beautiful concrete floor-to-ceiling windowed apartment, loft style. And I was sitting on the couch and we were talking about it. And um, my husband said, yeah, he looked at me and saw me and acknowledged my growth and my awakening and how much responsibility I was taking over my own mental health and my own disorder and my own emotional state. And we both felt really confident that getting pregnant on my own and carrying our child was something that we both felt as if I could do and manage and handle. And so once we came upon that decision, in true scout fashion, I got fucking obsessed and started the process immediately. Um, it was also just this big celebration for me, I think, at that moment where I had recognized that I was reclaiming my power and making a decision for my own body and for my own self um, based on what I wanted and not what other people wanted for me. So it was a huge moment for me. And just the fact that I felt safe enough in the experience, that my husband felt safe enough in the experience, and that we both felt ready to start trying was really, really special. This was probably end of July, early August, 2020. And by August, mid-August, 2020, I started the process of going off my medication. And that was a bitch, let me be honest. Going off medication is not easy. There are withdrawal symptoms. You feel totally out of whack. But um, with the support of my coach and my husband, I took it slowly and I did it. And a month after that, and I should also say that I did explore the option of staying on medication during pregnancy, but the medication that I was specifically on, that was really the only medication that worked for me. I had tried for 10 years plus to get on the right medication. Um, That medication was so new that they hadn't done enough clinical studies and trials to see the effects of uh, of the baby or, or of the effects of taking it while during pregnancy. So since there wasn't enough 
evidence. There weren't enough testing done around that medication. I felt that it was better to go off it since there was no real evidence um, whether it would be great for the baby or bad for the baby. And I personally wasn't comfortable with taking that risk myself. I know there's a lot of women who stay on medication during their pregnancy and they weigh that risk. But since this medication was so new, um, there wasn't enough information for me to feel as if I could make that decision in a calculated way. So I went off my medication and then mid-September, I got my IUD removed and that started the obsessive tracking, cycling, trying, ovulation, all the stuff. So when I got my IUD removed, it shocked me (laughs) um, how little I knew about my own fertility and about my own body. I was shocked to hear that I could really only get pregnant for about five, seven, if you are being super safe, days out of the month. Um, I had turned off my cycle since I was 14. And so to meet my body in her natural rhythm and to experience ovulation phase and luteal phase and the period and follicular phase and having a fucking libido was a crazy, another crazy awakening. It was this complete, almost not slap in the face, but it was like all of a sudden I was like halted and I was, I was presented with my biology and my physical body. And I felt as if I was meeting her for the first time, um, tracking my cycle and getting really, really in touch and in tune with the different physical sensations and the different physical symptoms of each stage was so mind-blowing and wild and spiritual and um, primal and beautiful that I really felt very strongly just a couple months after taking the IUD out that I never wanted to go back on birth control because I couldn't imagine shutting off my biology again in that way. I hadn't had a period for years and getting in touch with my body in that way was such a deep awakening for me. It was such a deep knowing. It was such a deep learning of who I am as a woman or as a, you know, as a, as a biological female. And so that was one of the most beautiful gifts of that time. Sure. Was it crazy? Was I shocked at how bloated I got and how I felt during my luteal phase and how much I wanted to eat and then how much I didn't want to eat at different stages of my cycle. It was a total fucking whirlwind to how much cramps I got and how my boobs swelled up. Like my boobs got big before my period. And I was like, I could never be an actress or be someone who walked the red carpet because I'm literally a different size based on if I'm in my luteal phase or if I'm not. So it was such a wild journey. And if you are interested in hearing more about that journey, um, I recorded an episode with my sister on OKSIS where we interviewed Alyssa Vitti. And we talk about going off birth control and what that process is like. So I'll link that episode in the show notes for you if you want more information on that. Um, But other than that, it was tracking, tracking, tracking. I was peeing on ovulation strips to track my ovulation. And then um, I got into that routine that I think a lot of couples get into when they're trying for their first baby, which is, okay, ovulation sex, it's scheduled, let's go every other day, um, a whole routine to-do list checklist and sex became, you know, sex is enjoyable always, but it was, um, it got a little, uh, uh, what's it called? Like, uh, I was like a drill sergeant. I was like, let's go. I'm ovulating. So, um, that definitely got tedious by like month six, but I'll take it back a little bit. I would say that 
by month four, by month three, when I didn't get pregnant, I started to panic because I had been told and educated that if you have unprotected sex, you get pregnant. And so my whole life I had avoided getting pregnant by being on the pill and then the IUD or using condoms or whatever it was. And so now that I was having plenty of unprotected sex at the right time, right when that egg was dropping, I was getting worried that I wasn't getting pregnant. And then I started stressing and then I started getting scared. And then by month four, I was like, there's something wrong with me. Like, am I infertile? Am I not going to be able to have a baby? And this is one of the complete misconceptions and miseducation that I believe we have been taught and I think causes a lot of stress and harm to women who are trying to become mothers and who are trying to become pregnant with a male partner is that it is not, or for for some of us, some people get pregnant immediately or it takes them two months or three months and others it can take years and that it's totally normal. I wish someone had told me that, and they kind of, some people did, but I really couldn't fathom a world where I didn't get pregnant in a couple months. I couldn't fathom a world where it would take me a year and a half to get pregnant. And so that year and a half was extremely challenging in the sense that I, (laughs) I was frustrated. I was nervous. I was anxious It is such hell after ovulation period. You have to wait two weeks to find out if you're pregnant or like a week and a couple of days if you take the early pregnancy tests. And so, and and the fact that your PMS symptoms are so similar to early pregnancy symptoms make it really difficult. And so half of that year and a half, I was like, am I pregnant? Am I pregnant? Maybe I'm pregnant. Maybe I'm pregnant. And then the period comes and it's such a state of disappointment. I had taken, I probably like a hundred pregnancy tests before I got pregnant. And so that was a very exhausting emotional roller coaster moment for me. I was not open about it um, on this podcast, on my Instagram, anywhere. It was something I decided to go through privately at first because I just thought I was going to get pregnant in a couple months. And then after, since it was such a sensitive, difficult time, I thought that I should, I I didn't feel the need to share in the moment because I was still going through it. And it was something I wanted to wait to share until um, after I got pregnant or whatever I went through IVF, whatever I was going to go through, I did eventually conceive naturally that I'm so grateful for. Um, But this is really just for anybody who's listening who maybe is trying to get pregnant and is not yet pregnant and is very confused. Um, It can take a little bit of time There's also, I believe, a huge mental spiritual component to all of this where when you are tracking and when you are so diligent and when you get stressed, your body doesn't want to get pregnant. And there's also something so insane and true to be said about God's timing. And that is something I really, really, really understood when I did get pregnant. So all of 2021, I'm trying to get pregnant. It's not working. I'm launching my book. I'm really stressed out. I am expanding the agency. I'm working so much. And then I, you know, at the end of 2021, I was thinking to myself, like, am I ever going to get pregnant because my schedule is really demanding and my career is so important to me that maybe my body isn't conducive to holding a baby at this time. And I remember talking to a a dear friend and mentor, mentor and soul sister of mine at the end of December, who is an entrepreneur that I highly admire. She, she does not have children. Um, and I just, I felt compelled to seek advice because December 2021, I really was coming around to this idea that maybe I wasn't supposed to be a mom or maybe I was supposed to 
really just prioritize my career and maybe that was my life path. And we talked about it and it allowed me to voice some of those concerns and allowed me to voice some of those ideas and fears and and also just natural questions that happen before you become a mom of, will I be able to run my business and be a mom? What will entrepreneurship look like? My career is something that is incredibly important to me. And so questioning whether or not motherhood was for me was a place that I was at at the end of the year. And I think it was a really important place for me to be at because it did allow me to question that and really internally think about what I wanted. And I think sometimes as we emotionally process things, we need to provide space for all of the feelings and all of the thoughts and all of the hypothetical wants and needs and desires. And I was so grateful to be able to talk to another entrepreneur that I really admired about this and and open up in a way that was non-judgmental and in a way that I could really voice some of my thought processes because I think there is a lot of shame and stigma around mothers who are so focused in their career and who really prioritize their career and are wondering where motherhood and babies fit in. It's a question I'm still asking myself today. And so to be able to have that conversation and to surrender a little bit, um, I left that conversation just feeling like I will get pregnant if God wants me to and if this is part of my plan and I have to be okay if my life path is just my career and my husband and my friends and and that's okay too. And so that conversation I think was part of the catalyst that kickstarted a couple month crazy transformation in me because that was the first moment that I really just leveled with another woman, another entrepreneur and talked about my fears and anxieties about the fact that maybe I'm not supposed to be a mom because my career is is such such a huge focus of mine and such a huge identity of mine as well as just like how am I going to manage this because I just came off the craziest year of my life with my book launch and that moment was a very complicated raw time or conversation where I was able to untangle the web of what all of this means and all of the fears and all of the insecurities about not getting pregnant and running a business and, and being a female CEO who is a new mom. So that conversation I left being like, okay, God, if you want me to get pregnant, I will get pregnant. And if you don't want me to get pregnant, then I won't get pregnant. Like that's just how it is because clearly I have no control over this. I have sex when I'm supposed to have sex and I'm not getting pregnant. So that's all I can do. Everything else is completely out of my control at this point. And so I surrendered into allowing God to choose for me. And yet I remember in that surrender still feeling a bit of disappointment that I wasn't as in control of my destiny or that I was potentially willing to leave something on the table, being that being motherhood, when I wasn't 100% sure if that's what I wanted to leave on the table. Um, I look back at that time at the end of 2021 where I was really surrendering into that as a time where I was just, yes, surrendering into what God wanted and there's a beautiful, beautiful component of that. And I, I was definitely safeguarding my emotions because it was just too painful every month to not get pregnant that 
I almost like threw my hands up and I was like, well, if this isn't for me, it's not for me. Instead of deeply declaring my desires and my manifestation, I started doubting what I wanted and tried to make sense of what that would look like in my life. Again, it was an incredibly important conversation that I had to have internally with myself that I'm so grateful um, that I had this woman to bounce this off of because it was a, a big catalyst into the next couple months since I did get pregnant two months after that conversation. So the next month I had a false positive and that false positive it was like iffy, but it, it wasn't a full negative and I never not seen a full negative. And so that was a crazy experience where I was like, holy shit, I think, I think I'm pregnant. Um, I wasn't, but it was really almost because I remember when I was trying to get pregnant, it was a lot of, um, well, I've never, I don't know what a positive pregnancy test looks like because I've never received it. And so how can I believe that I'm going to receive that if I've never seen it myself? And so seeing that it was kind of like the double line was a little there, a little not there. It was a little wishy-washy. I decided to log that as evidence that this was in my near future. And at that point, uh, my husband and I had just bought a house. We had just moved in. And this is where the crazy shit starts to happen. So I, we closed on the house. I went... I went to over to get some measurements. So, you know, like figuring out how our furniture was going to fit and whatever. And my husband and I had decided that which room would be the eventual nursery. And I was in the nursery and I saw a cockroach on the floor. And obviously my first reaction was fucking grossed out and freaked out and not happy. But I decided to look up what the symbolic symbolism of a cockroach is. And the symbolic symbolism of a cockroach is fertility. And I was pretty shocked. I was like, okay, okay. And then, sorry, the timeline's wrong. I got a false preg- a false positive like two weeks after once we had moved in, after I saw that cockroach and looked up the, uh, the spiritual symbolism of a cockroach. And so we moved into this house. Um, Buying a house has been something Adam and I have been wanting to do for a couple years now. And it took us a long time to get to this point. It took us a long time to get pre-qualified since I'm self-employed. And my husband's getting a PhD. And the market, as we all know, is super crazy. And we got a lot of offers denied. And so this house originally felt extremely in alignment, divinely guided. It happened so quickly, so easily, so effortlessly. It had everything on my manifestation list and more. It was really crazy. This house was really meant for me and Adam. And so we move in. um, And then my friend calls me and she tells me she's pregnant. And all of a sudden, I was so elated. I was crying and so happy for her and joyful. And I felt jealousy. I felt envy. And that was... That was the sign and the emotion that I needed to know that being pregnant and being a mom was what I wanted. And I wasn't going to just be wishy-washy about my desires in this lifetime and leave it up to the universe and give up a huge part of my life path to God's decision. 
but I remembered who I am as a co-creator in this lifetime and that I co-create with God and I forgot that part. So in that moment of feeling such jealousy and envy, I realized that I want to be a mom. I want to be pregnant. I want to have a kid. I want to have a baby, a child. And it was in that moment where I spiritually broke down and I boldly and definitively declared to God that this was my desire and it wasn't something to be negotiated with. It wasn't something that I could accept not happening. And this was what I wanted. I was finally able to stand in my power and not be afraid of not getting pregnant or be afraid of the infertility journey I'd had or being afraid of if I was going to be able to be a good entrepreneur and a mom or afraid of what this would mean for my business and and me and my identity and my life and my mental health and all of that. It was just this moment of clarity where I said, no, this is what I want. And I'm going to boldly, boldly declare this and I'm going to fucking boldly manifest this. And the next two weeks were crazy. I woke up the next morning, literally fell to my knees in the shower crying, just talking to God and saying, this is what I want and I know what I want and I've never been more clear on what I want and what I want is to get pregnant and what I want is to have a healthy baby and what I want is to be a mom. And so I did what I've known to do in my spiritual practice and I assigned a sign. I have this thing where when I need guidance from the universe, spirit, energy, God, whatever you call it, um, I ask for my sign and my sign's the rolling stones. I use this sign to really guide a lot of the decisions in my life. So like before I signed the lease on the scouts agency office, I asked for my sign and got it like four times that day. And I was like, okay, I guess I have to sign the office. So I asked for a sign that my baby was near me or close or coming or anywhere in the ether of possibilities. And I remember sitting there and I signed the sign a lily. And I remember as I wrote that, I was writing in my journal in the morning. I wrote that the sign was going to be a lily because Gabrielle Bernstein says it's the first thing that comes to your mind. And I said, well, I don't really know what a lily looks like. So it's probably not the right sign, but that's the first thing that came to mind. So I have to trust it. And I said, I'll just look up what a lily looks like after this and figure it out. And so I journaled. I picked the sign. I was really, really dedicated. I changed the background of my phone, my computer to, um, I'm thrilled that I'm pregnant with a healthy baby inside of me. And I started saying it to myself literally a hundred times a day. But after I did that journaling session and assigned Lily as my universe sign, I was rewatching my Instagram stories. Yes, I do that. And I noticed that I had taken a picture of these beautiful white flowers that my dad bought me the day before he came to visit my office. He'd never seen it. And he brought me these flowers. And I texted him and I said, dad, what kind of flowers did you bring me? Because I had no idea what kind they were. And he said, oh, they're calla lilies. And then I texted a friend of mine. I voice noted her and I was like, oh my God, I just assigned this sign. And then 
I got it already, da 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 And then I go to an event, and all of a sudden, she's blowing up my phone. I have like 20 text messages from her, voice notes, all this stuff. And I listen to the voice note, and she says, Scout, I'm fucking crying. Once a year, or like every other year, one lily grows in front of my house, and it just bloomed. And she takes a photo of it for me. And after that, I started seeing lilies everywhere. Instagram stories, people would buy me lilies. They would say the word lily. It was everywhere. And I was sticking really, really, really true to my manifestation, positive affirmation. I was saying I'm thrilled that I'm pregnant with a healthy baby inside of me multiple, 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 multiple times a day, writing it down, saying it, background. And then my friend pulled a card and sent it to me. And the card was, the illustration on the card was a pregnant woman holding a lily. And the signs just got crazier and wilder and more frequent. And in this full surrender mode of my manifestation and knowing that my manifestation was going to come true without any hold or pressure or control on the timeline or even how it was going to happen with a deep inner knowing and a deep declaration of my desire to God and not wavering on that desire, I maintained this energetic portal manifestation towards this pregnancy. And actually, (laughs) two weeks after all of this started, uh, my husband and I had sex for the first time in the new house, and we conceived on Valentine's Day, which was pretty crazy. And for all the for all my woo-woo people out there, my period started on February 2nd, 2022. That's 2 2022 She was conceived on Valentine's Day, and she implanted between 2-21-22 and 2-22-22. So... All the divine portal moments were there. So I conceived, we conceived on Valentine's Day. Sorry, babe, Adam, if this is too much information for the public. But um, yeah, we conceived on Valentine's Day. And then a week later, I was sitting on the couch and I felt a sharp, like, not pain, but a sharp cramp, I suppose, in my right lower back. And I knew that that was implantation. I, after a year and a half of trying and getting extremely, extremely in touch with my physical sensations and my physical body and my physical symptoms, I sat there and I, I said to myself, my baby's implanting. And then that was a week after conceiving. So you find out two weeks after you conceive. And then after I implanted the whole week, I remember voice noting, my friend came over and we had this crazy talk and we were just in the spirit of manifestation and dreams and goals and God and all of that. And I just, she, I just said, she brought me over, first of all, a bottle of wine with a pregnant woman on it. She was just like, I just saw this and thought of you. And then I just felt for whatever reason, really comfortable being like, I, I I said out loud, I said, if I said that I was pregnant right now, I would believe it and I would feel comfortable saying that. And I think that through my deep surrender and through this deep desire and acknowledging that deep desire, I was embodying a pregnant woman. I was embodying a mother-to-be, saying this positive affirmation over and over, calling on my signs, seeing all these lilies everywhere. And so 
the next day I voiced it to my coach and I was like, I feel like I would, could say that I'm pregnant right now and I would believe it. Like I just felt pregnant. And then Friday, I noticed that I was a little sleepier um, and I'm always tired, but this was like a different type of tired. And then Saturday I took a test, but it was in the afternoon after I drink in like a lot of water. So um, the hormone was too diluted. And I saw the faintest, 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 faintest line. And I think anybody else would have thought I was crazy. But since I had looked at so many negative pregnancy tests, I could tell the difference. And I looked at my husband and I said, you know, I think we are, I think this is it. I think this is the time. This is the round. And I had said that so many times that he really didn't take notice. We went out to dinner that night. I ordered a beer just in case. I drank like four sips and then I was done. Um, And then the next morning, first thing, I took a pregnancy test and Adam was sleeping and it said that I was pregnant. In that moment, I felt shock, complete shock and a complete like, yeah, I knew it. Like, I, I know I'm pregnant. So it was this mixture of knowing and of shock. And then I took another one just to be sure. It also said yes. And... Um, it was a crazy surreal moment that didn't really feel real. Um, I was really calm when I saw the first pregnancy test, I was shaking for sure. And then like 20 minutes later, I was just really calm. And this was a Sunday morning. My husband wakes up way later than me. So I just was with myself until he woke up. And it was funny because the day before on Saturday, he said, hey, tomorrow, the Sunday I found out, do you want to go take a walk around Balboa Park with Luna, our dog? And Adam proposed to me at Balboa Park. So when I found out that I was pregnant, I was like, I'm going to see if he still wants to go to Balboa Park. And he woke up and I said, hey, did you still want to go to Balboa Park? And he said, oh, yeah, for sure. Let's do it. And so we took Luna and we walked and I said, oh, we should go to the sculpture garden. We haven't been back since you proposed to me. He's like, yeah, sure. I was like, let's go there first. And we walked over there and I took my phone out, like selfie style to take a video of us. I pretended I was taking an Instagram story. And I said, right where he proposed to me, I said, so I'm back where Adam proposed. We're back here at the Sculpture Garden in Balboa Park. But what he doesn't know, and his face like got really confused. And then I said, is that he's going to be a father? And he started laughing and he said, you fucker, because I tricked him into going to the sculpture garden. And then he said that he loves me so much and we kissed and we freaked out. And then we immediately started FaceTiming our whole family. (laughs) So um, I am not one to keep good news in. I can keep anybody else's secret. Like I can keep my friend's secret all day long, but my own secret I can't keep. And so I told my entire immediate family, which you have to understand, uh, I have divorced parents between my stepsisters, my stepbrothers, my in-laws, my stepfather, stepmom, everything. It's like 25 people. So the immediate family is pretty large. I told them and then I started telling my friends and then I told my team that week and I really, really, you know, especially because it had taken me a year and a half to get pregnant, I I didn't want the first time me finding out that I'm pregnant and telling people to be robbed from me. And I feel as if it's such a celebratory, incredible moment. And 
my Adam and I decided that we were going to live in faith and not fear. And that if anything did happen and the pregnancy didn't hold, I'm really comfortable telling people that it's nothing I did wrong. If that were to happen, it's not my fault. And so not telling people for 12 weeks felt insane, like totally insane. So during my first trimester, I pretty much told everybody, I think by week, was it week six or week eight that I told my cousins, my extended family, my uncles, my aunts. I mean, I have a huge family. So I told all of them by week eight, all my friends had known. I found out by the way that I was pregnant three and a half weeks, like very, very, very early. Um, most people find out like between week four and five. And so I took the approach that I wanted to celebrate this and I don't think it's a secret that needs to be hid. And so I told everybody, okay, so I thought that I could get through all of this, but I didn't realize how much I would have to talk about. So I am going to save my first trimester experience, finding out the gender of my baby, which you all know it's a girl if you follow me on Instagram, all of that stuff, my physical symptoms, what I've been experiencing. I will save that for a part two since the fertility journey and the finding out I was pregnant alone took, you know, about 40 minutes. So I'm going to cut it off there. You're going to have to wait for part two to really, really hear the rest of the story. But it is such an honor and an excitement and joy for me to share this with all of you. It's been bubbling inside of me for so long. And as you know, I am somebody that really, I, don't, I guess, verbally processes on this podcast or shares my intimate life so freely and openly for others that keeping this to myself was new and different. And so I am so happy that the news is out there and that I can really get into the details of this process. So if you have any specific questions, you can DM me at Scout Sobel and you will have to look out for that part two. Maybe it'll be next week. You all know that the editorial calendar with this podcast is so last minute. So maybe it'll be next week if I feel up for doing that or we'll have an interview next week. But please stay tuned and subscribe for part two. And I would also really love it if you would leave me a rating and review. It makes my day every single time. So thank you so much for being here. Expect a lot of motherhood and entrepreneurship talk, motherhood, entrepreneurship, and mental health, the intersection of all three, since that has been a new dynamic that I have uh, been introduced to. I'm going to give you kind of the real perspective of what it means to be a mom and be an entrepreneur, what it means to be pregnant and be an entrepreneur, and what all of that means for my mental health. So as always, I love you and I am so grateful that you listened. I hope this episode has landed with you in the perfect timing that you need it. I hope that it gives you the courage to chase after your dreams and purpose. If you are so willing, I would be honored if you would text this episode to a friend, if you would rate the podcast five stars and write a review, and follow me on Instagram at Scout Sobel. Over there, you can find links to sign up for my newsletter, which is also in the show notes, and get involved in all of my offerings, from Scouts Agency to OKSYS Podcast to this podcast. If you're looking for a deeper dive of my work, you can find my debut book, The Emotional Entrepreneur, on Amazon. I am so appreciative you are here, and I will see you on the next episode.